0: Welcome to Above the Mess, the podcast where we bounce between our interests, dive down rabbit holes, navigate our brains, and come up in wonderland. I'm Maddie Van Houten, and with me is Izzy Miller. Hey, Izzy.
1: Hello. It has been a rabbit hole couple of weeks, to be sure.
0: Okay. I know what you're talking about, but for our listeners, what rabbit hole did you go down?
1: (laughs) Magic the Gathering. Of course.
0: Okay. Of course. Tell me everything.
1: (laughs) I played so much Magic in like high school and college, and then I stopped for years, and somebody showed me a card, and I am totally relapsing into my addiction, and it's fine. Um.
0: <laughs> All right. For those who don't know, can you tell our listeners what Magic the Gathering kind of is without confusing them?
1: Magic's a card game. It's a collectible card game. You get cards more or less at random, and you use those cards to fight your opponents with spells. And it's every bit as like fun as the concept sounds. If you're into nerdy card games with incredibly s- subtle, let's say, rules. <laughs> but I don't really want to talk about the rules of magic today. Because magic is an organizer's paradise.
0: Ooh, okay. I love organizing.
1: Tell me. There's so many ways to sort the cards and I'm having an incredible amount of fun, not even just like building decks, but like figuring out how do I want to store my cards so that I can find the cards I want to build decks.
0: Okay. Okay. So I'm assuming decks have to be like a certain size because... Yeah. Okay. So there's a limit on which cards you can use when you're playing a game. So you have extras, Scattered everywhere that you need to be able to find when you want to build a new deck for a certain thing. Exactly. Okay. And then,
1: like, some cards are legal in certain formats because, like, you you can't always use older cards because some formats want to be more accessible, and so they require newer cards so that people who haven't been playing the game forever don't have to get old cards that aren't in print anymore to play. Anyway, but yeah, I, I've spent far too much time now researching different boxes. Of oh different my sizes and shapes to hold cards, <laughs> and deciding, like, okay, so these are the binder sleeves I want to store the rares because I want to be able to find the rares more easily. And so having them in sheets makes sense. But the bulk commons, like, if I put those in binders, I would have bookshelves right. of them in a year. So can't do that. So, how am I going to store those separately? <laughs> and I'm going to sort them by set. I'm going to sort them by color. I'm going to, like, you could sort incredibly in depth in magic because there's five colors. Okay. You could do it alphabetically, by color. You could do it by the type of the card. So you want your creatures up front, or your instants, and your sorceries. Or maybe you want to group your things by what kind of thing they do, right? So maybe you want to get all your stuff that gains you life. Or the removal spells that kill your opponent creatures. You want all those together. Anyways, incredibly deep rabbit hole.
0: It sounds like a deep rabbit hole. And it, for some reason, is like bringing to mind, Like, I wonder if someone has ever tried to build like a computer app. Why? I don't know. Uh, Try to build an app, kind of like um, the note-taking app Obsidian, where you can link all these different things together. So you can say, this card has these seven tags associated with it, and I want to see all the life-giving cards in my list and all this stuff. And I I don't know anything about magic, but I can imagine this rabbit hole. So I'm guessing that you have specifics. What have you decided on?
1: Uh, so far, just having the rares sorted by color. Okay. You know, like alpha I'm not alphabetizing cards. That is too much work. Mm-mm. Or even separating them out by function. I am gonna have the rares in a binder with one page per color or more if needed. And keep the set separated. And then commons and uncommons, I'm just gonna have like in a box sorted by color and like each set and by itself and just do that, not be too overcomplicated about it, even though it was really fun to think about all the ways I could drastically overcomplicate this.
0: Honestly, thinking about organizing is almost as fun, if not more so, than actually organizing, so I get it.
1: The thing (laughs) I've realized now that I've started playing Magic again that I really missed about it, Magic is a multiplayer game that is also a complete single-player experience. Because in between those times, you're going off and playing Magic with your friends You get to sit down and build decks by yourself, or you get to go organize your cards, or you get to go figure out like, ooh, maybe I want to do this or that with it and figure out how you can do it. There's this entire single player aspect to the game that most board games don't really have. Like you're not going to go think about your Scrabble game, which tiles you want to include or how you're going to organize your Scrabble set, right? (laughs)
0: I want to stack the deck uh the Scrabble deck with E's. Lots of E's. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, nobody does that. So e- I think this is kind of interesting because it's almost like these like um collectible card games like like Magic, like uh Pokemon even, although I don't really know that people actually played that game, Yu-Gi-Oh, all of these, it feels like It's like this genre of card game is one of the only ways to get that single player experience in between multiplayer experiences. It feels like I'm sure we're going to think of one in about 10 minutes. That is not a card game, but it's fine. And Um, I wonder what you like about that. Like the single player part. Is it, is it the strategizing? Is it the creativity? I don't know.
1: Okay. So yes, it's all of that, but especially in recent years, it's mm-hmm. just being able to interact with it on your own. Like, oh, yeah. Like, do you have any idea how many board games I have on my bookshelf that have not been opened since 2019?
0: I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but no, I have always loved the theory crafting side of magic and thinking, like, what can I do that's weird and different that people haven't seen before? Like, which cards go together in weird ways? So much fun.
0: That's yeah. That's kind of that's kind of its own creativity. It's like um, trying to find new connections between things that nobody has thought of. Oh, I love this. This is interesting. Um, don't let me get any magic cards. Don't. Okay. Mm, yeah. Don't do it, it.
1: It's it is decidedly a rabbit hole. Alex and yes. I bought a um a box of the latest set. Mm-hmm. Um, which j- just to be clear, like that's a hundred dollar purchase because oh my goodness um because it's the 36 booster packs but what we did was we each opened six and we just built decks from the card pool that we had and so like doing stuff like that and there's cheaper ways to do it but this this way because I, I wanted the cards basically uh, yeah let us have this like really even footing to build decks from right despite like having fairly different levels of experience and. I'm restarting my collection because I got rid of all my cards last time I did it. But had I had a large collection, it would put us on an even footing that way as well, which is nice. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. And I wasn't really, like, surprised by the $100 price tag on that. Because, like, like any young nerd with two little brothers who are also young nerds, uh, I collected Pokemon cards. And, like, you could get 10 like a ten pack of cards for like five dollars, so yeah. thirty six for a hundred, thirty six packs for a hundred does not sound like a bad deal. Um.
1: Like, <laughs> the cards themselves have like trade value. Like we opened the Wandering Emperor, which is worth like twenty five bucks on its mm-hmm. own, and there's still like half the pack, uh, half the box left to open.
0: Oh my goodness! So, okay,
1: we'll, we will probably not make our money back, but. In the end, once I keep the cards I want and get rid of the cards I don't want, I will not have spent $100 on it. I will have spent a more reasonable amount for a board game.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think this is so interesting. And I'm wondering, like, is this a rabbit hole you're going to go down forever? Like, not just the... Like, you could, theoretically get sick of it, and sell your cards again. But I'm wondering if this time it's going to stick. Like, what made you give up magic the first time?
1: Okay, that's actually an interesting question. So Mm -hmm. I learned to play magic in middle school.
0: Right. And I started, like,
1: seriously playing and building a collection at the end of middle school through high school and college. And my favorite time playing magic was always high school because we were all a bunch of kids with no money building collections of cards that had like literally just whatever we could get our hands on for as cheap as possible. Mm -hmm. So nobody had really powerful competitive decks or like play sets of expensive cards. We all just had these super jank homebrew decks that were completely unique to all of us that were mixes of all sorts of random cards. And that was so much fun. Right. Because, like, the power level of it was janky. I mean, like, it wasn't like it was weak. It was just janky. Sometimes things (laughs) would work. Sometimes things wouldn't work. You got these super exciting moments. As I got into college, like, people started having this thing that's disposable income.
0: Oh, yeah. That's nice.
1: (laughs) And when you get competitive people playing a card game where you can... Like buy game pieces with disposable. Suddenly you have people building competitive decks, which is great. I love competitive magic, but it's not all I want to play. And when you start like showing up to more and more things and it's just people who have like, you know, top tier standard decks, like I I could totally play at that level if I wanted to put in the time, money and effort to keep a deck up. And there's competitive decks that are absolutely cheaper than the most expensive ones. Like, right. But some of the magic, pun intended, was gone when (laughs) you start playing decks that are, like, just that. And so, like, as college went on and more and more of that, like, kind of attitude towards the game was there, like, I I got less interested. And so at the end of college, like, I am leaving the space where everyone around me is playing magic all the time. I will sell my collection to somebody who's going to get more use out of it than I will as an adult in the real world so that's why i got out of magic was like this increasing competitive nature that took away some of the casual space and so this time going back into it like i've been really thinking about ways i can keep that like casual feel to the game so like that's one of the reasons instead of just like making deck lists and buying singles for two like reasonably balanced decks for alex and i, I bought the box because i was like What janky solutions are we going to come up with with these limited sets of cards? Of course, the other reason is that I haven't been playing in like seven years, and they release like several sets each year, and that's a lot of cards that I don't know what they do. Right, (laughs) so
0: not having to learn them all is great. I think this is interesting because I feel like part of the fun for a card game like this, like a collectible board game would be the jankiness like just the luck of the draw the luck of whatever you find at the store in the packs whatever you manage to get your hands on so the weirdness of like there are competitive decks out there that you can just like try to build by buying single single cards that to me feels like yeah a weird moment because then if you can't afford to buy the competitive decks like you're getting you know knocked out of the competition it's less fun it's less creative it's less Chaos? Maybe I like chaos in my card games. I don't know. But yeah, that's... Okay, so that makes sense as a reason for leaving. And you said someone showed you a card, and that's why you got back in.
1: Well, it's only be <laughs> more than a card. Like, um, I, I got talked into going to a draft, which is a type of event where people open boosters, and, like, you pick a card from the booster, and you pass it on. You end up, like, from these group pool of cards picking just the cards you want and trying to build a deck and playing with it for that night um and yeah that was that was the rabbit hole that was a decision that was
0: that was where you entered the rabbit <laughs> yes hole.
1: and like one thing i'd like to say is that one of the things i love about magic is that there are so many ways to have fun with it like playing competitive decks is a totally fun thing to do and i totally get why people like doing it it's just not my way of playing magic
0: right yeah that's fair um so that's amazing i'm excited to see how far down this rabbit hole you go because like how are you going to keep the the jankiness for lack of a better word alive are you going to continue to like start from scratch with friends are you going to find people who like to play the same as you what's going on
1: uh I mean, it'll start to depend on who I end up playing with and what they want to do. I'm, I have ideas. I think it would be really cool to make a cube, which is basically like building your own set out of magic cards and using that to play from, whether you're playing sealed or draft, instead of like using new stuff or however. So you can just pick the cards you like or the cards you want to see people try to figure out what to do with and do that.
0: Um, that would be fun. Like his own kind of creativity. I'm really excited for this. I don't know anything about magic, but it sounds fun.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. We've just spoken for like 10 minutes about a game you don't play.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm so like like I said and have said before, I was a nerd. Still am. Pretty proud of it. So I was around people who played it, but it just didn't grab me in the same way that it grabbed some of my friends. So I would just be like, all right. Have fun. You guys play that. I'm just going to over here, do something else, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I've been around it enough to know, yeah, it's a card game. Yeah, it's got like a bunch of complex rules. But my brain was just never like, I want to learn a bunch of complex rules.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. I, I am shocked after all of this time at how many of these like weird like keywords that I remember exactly what the rules text for is or like... <laughs> Oh, this is like that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Moments. Yeah. It's amazing what we can remember about like the most random stuff. Like, I know it's not how it's not how this works, but sometimes I'm just like, why does my brain hold this inside? Why do I remember that?
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. I know exactly what you mean. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's like, we don't have a limited amount of space in our brains, but if we forgot some of the really useless stuff that we don't use anymore, would we have clearer thinking? Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. So that's really fun. I'm excited for this rabbit hole. Um, Indeed. I I would like to
1: just touch on, there is a digital version of Magic called Arena, and I really don't like it. Oh, okay. Okay. I like the gameplay experience, but like the economy, the way you get cards in it is just it's Are expensive you... and I, I honestly like I I'm not sure I can go so far as to say it's predatory, but like if it's not, it's close.
0: Okay, I need to ask, is it a free to play? Model.
1: Yeah, it, it's free to play, where you like get rewards for doing stuff, and then it's got the microtransactions in order to get access to things. So it's like it's the digital collectible model, and like there's parts of it that make sense, and there's parts of it that push me over the edge. And I'm not going to condemn the whole model out of out of out of pocket. Is that the phrase? um
0: out, out of hand, I think. Out of hand. Out of pocket is like if you pay someone for a work thing out of your own.
1: Pocket. Oh, you're right. Okay, well, out of the graveyard, then. That's a magic hunt for all y'all.
0: Um, Went right over my head, but okay, I will trust you. <laughs> I dislike free-to-play models for the reason that they do feel predatory, mm-hmm. even if they're not. So I, c- I can kind of understand this. And- I also don't quite understand digital collectibles, but that could just be because they I might be becoming old. I don't know.
1: Right. I, I wonder that sometimes. Do I not like this because it's bad or am I just an old?
0: Yeah, I have that thought way too often. <laughs> but
1: with Paper Magic, at least it gets you sitting down across the table from a real person who you're interacting with. And I really enjoy that. And the yeah. digital version, unfortunately, cannot match that experience. Yeah.
0: I mean, like, may- maybe you could Zoom with a friend, but you would have to know someone. Yeah. Like, maybe and people could... do
1: that. Yeah, I haven't tried it. Maybe I will.
0: Yeah, I wonder if like you would need, do you need an overhead cam? Do you need to be able to see the cards on the desk? I'm not sure. I know people
1: do it. I would hmm. presume that is important. Okay. There used to be a lot of programs that would like have the magic card database. So you could like basically proxy decks and play online that way with like where they wouldn't enforce the rules. It would just be like a virtual table and a hand that you could use that way. I don't Got know it. if those even still exist. I haven't looked. Hmm. I used to do that a lot with friends in like high school.
0: That makes sense. Interesting. I am learning so much about a culture a game, I know nothing about. Yeah, a game that
1: you don't play. <laughs> a game that I don't
0: play. It's okay. I like I like learning about things that people like. So that's like my entire vibe. I just like hearing people talk about stuff they love. So
1: that's good. We promised rabbit holes and we deliver. Yeah, exactly. Even if we don't both go down them. <laughs> And You've been down your own rabbit hole, though, I think. You've organized your office again?
0: Oh, gosh. Um, okay, so I'm in the middle of it. Uh, and that, again, question mark is well-deserved because, um, I don't know, it's like every, what, like two months, I'm like just chatting friends and I'm like, oh, I pulled things out of my office again. I'm reorganizing. Like, it happens way too often. The reason it happens way too often is because... I develop clutter in places there shouldn't be clutter. Um, I don't know if Izzy can see this, but our people definitely can't. But my closet in my office, the doors are open and there's just like a pile of stuff up on a shelf and you can mm-hmm. vaguely see like other piles on the floor. The clear pl- the clear pink box is very nice. Yes. Okay. So those clear pink boxes are my seed collections and I got them Ooh. so that I could color code and like label boxes for seed packets. Anyway, so this actually gets into why I'm reorganizing again. I have learned about myself that the out of sight, out of mind rule is way too real. So I forget that I have things if they're in a drawer and I don't know that they're in their drawers, you know, or if I see something, I want to play with it. And I mean that literally, like this weekend, I was mending some jeans and I left all my sewing stuff out and I didn't clean up my office So this morning, instead of getting straight to work, my brain was like, ooh, let's mend more stuff. So it has its benefits. Like if I hide all my mending stuff, I won't get distracted by it. But if I like hide things too well, I'll forget I have them and I won't ever do them. (laughs) So what I've been doing is figuring out ways to use this rule so that my brain works. I don't know how else to put that, but like so, one of the things I'm doing is I am going to get my partner to help me take the closets off of, my, or the closet doors off my closet because they're always standing open and they're just in the way because I want to be able to see everything. So, that's like one thing. Another thing is I used to have a dresser in my closet. It's now out in my office so that I can see it, but it hides the things inside the drawer still. So, it used to be in my closet and things were like double hidden. They were hidden in the closet inside a dresser I couldn't see into. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, my brain legitimately did not realize that I had some of the things in those drawers. Like, I had, I kid you not, like six embroidery hoops. I don't, like, how did I get this many? They're all the same size. I don't like I can reuse them. Why do I have so many? Anyway, they were all like scattered throughout the drawers in this dresser. So what I did was I pulled that dresser out and I measured the closet and I'm going to get a three by four Calyx from Ikea, which is like one of their bookshelves or like room organizers that is basically just a grid of square shelves that are open front and back. You can see right through them and what I have done is. As I have like drawn out of plan of what is going on each shelf and how I'm going to store it, so I can see it, and I'm really excited about this.
1: The Calax is one of those super convenient pieces to work with because like each of the shelves is a 12 foot by 12 foot is a 12 inch by 12 inch by 12 inch cube, which makes it really easy to figure out what can go in. Because if it's less than a foot, it'll fit.
0: Exactly. And I was like, okay, I need a place to put my paintbrushes and my watercolors so I can see them so I'll use them more often. But they can't sit on my desk because then I'll want to paint at my desk. They can't do that. So they have to they have to be in the closet, but I need to be able to see them or I'll forget I have them. Guess who hasn't painted in, like, I kid you not, a year and a half because her watercolors were in a drawer. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So... I'm doing things like that. So that's one change. The other thing is that like the dresser that I pulled out, it's a family heirloom. And I mean that kind of loosely because it's clearly just made out of pine. (laughs) Um, Like it's not, it's not a fancy antique. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to paint it a color that makes me happy. And I'm going to get a bunch of like brass plates to put on the front to tell me what's in each drawer so that if I need to find my sewing tools. I'll know they're in the top drawer, and I won't forget.
1: That's nice. Labels are great. My parents have this great um, antique general store counter with all of the drawers having the uh, hand-lettered labels for what was in there. Um, There's like whiplashes is a drawer. What? Or square butter paper or round butter paper.
0: Both choices. Both choices of butter paper. I am Fascinated. I want one of those.
1: Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Something I'm curious about. Yeah. The one thing I don't love about the Kallax is that everything is visible. And mm-hmm. I know I struggle with visual clutter being distracting. So, like, there's this... You have to thread the needle. You want it to be out enough to know it's there, but not so out as to drag you away from the thing you intended to be doing. Yes. So, I'm curious how you're planning to come to that with a very open box once you remove the doors to the closet.
0: Yes. So what I have decided is that things that could distract me, like projects that are unfinished or need to be started, are going to go on the bottom two rows, which are going to have baskets in them. Baskets are less visually distracting or visually obscuring than drawers for me for some reason. Like, I don't know what that is. Um, something about a basket is different from a drawer for me. I don't know why, but I'm gonna have baskets that fit in the calyx. They sell those from Ikea. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to get some that fit and projects are going to be folded neatly and put, I'm assuming they're going to be sewing projects because that's the majority of unfinished projects I have. So that's why I'm saying folded. But like, if I have, um, a painting that I want to make and I've got like the inspiration photo and stuff like that, all of these things are going to end up in a drawer and hidden, Unless they're the one I'm working on at this moment. So the goal is to hide projects, but keep tools visible. Does that that make sense? sense? Yeah. Yeah. Because like right now, um, as an example, I've got on my desk, because I don't have a good spot to put it, my little mending pocket thing. It's got pins and it's got needles and it's got snips. It's for mending on the go.
1: Interrupting for a second. That's super cute. Did you make it?
0: I did make it out of scraps. Um, I don't love it because on the inside, I did linen for the pin cushion part, and that is too loose. I need to replace it with felt. But otherwise, it's freaking adorable. It's um, red and like, I want to say, like, purple woven together. It's hard to see. I'll take a picture for our our listeners. Um, And it's like a button from a coat that I got rid of, like, six years ago. All stuff that I already had. I didn't buy anything for it. I was very excited when I made it. But I made a bad choice with the interior. So I will post pictures. Don't worry. Um, So that's on my desk. And so is, let's see, uh, a bunch of pin, like, safety pins, and thread and stuff from my mending project. There's one of those embroidery hoops that I somehow have multiple of. Um, There is a a single person RPG that I'm doing that's all about like a train journey in, um, in a field notes notebook. Like there's piles of projects that I'm not working on right now, just sitting on my desk. And they're very distracting when I'm trying to work. So having a spot to hide those away but still keep things like my pens out so that if I want to do the train tracks our R- P- oh my god RPG I can just sit down and pull out a pen and be, be good like Okay What's the
1: name of this RPG? Train
0: tracks. I can post a link. Don't you awesome. worry. <laughs> um It's really fun. I I rolled a d twenty or I think a d twenty and a d ten to pick how many stops my train journey was going to have, and of course I rolled a twenty. I rolled ten and ten, of course. Anyway, (laughs) so I got the full like I got a like a full notebook full of like the it's played with a deck of cards. Izzy, this is made for you. Anyway, I will post a link. It's super fun. I I am so
1: excited to (laughs) to check this out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, it was let me think it was in our friends sub stack for like role-playing games um normally it's for like dungeons and dragons but he's been sharing more um single player or not quite related to dungeons and dragons role-playing games um lately and since I'm addicted to D and D now I was like, yeah, let me do some things that don't require me to uh, wait for other people to play. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah. So basically my office organization is all about the, not only the um, out of sight, out of mind rule, but also the like one is none rule. So everywhere that I need to use a pair of scissors or snips, I plan to have a pair of scissors or snips everywhere. I need, might have a, need to have a pen. There's a pen there. There's a pen cup. There's, you know, I've just got, I've got to get past for myself the, I don't have all the things I need to do this. So I'm not going to do this right now. So having things visible, having things accessible where I need them, that's what I'm working on right now. And it's, it's going to be a long time, but every time I make a step, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, I think I might even put on the outside of my like desk drawer some of these brass plates because having like this one's pens or this one's like mailing equipment would be nice for my partner when he's like, where are the stamps? I'm brass like, labels just look classy. Yeah, they do. They look good on anything. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited about it. It's like, it's like the... Kind of like the card catalog ones, you know, where you just slip a piece of paper in the top Mm -hmm. and that's swappable. I didn't want to like permanently write on drawers or like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I
1: reorganize often enough to know that if I put a label on a drawer two weeks later, it will be wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it says junk, in which case,
0: yes. Accurate. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying really hard. So I guess my rabbit hole was kind of like organization uh, Netflix (laughs) <laughs> the home edit and Marie Kondo and all that. <laughs> I watched those again. So that's what kind of sparked this, but I'm trying to be very intentional about having a place for everything. And I've gotten rid of a lot of stuff that I'm I know I'm not gonna use anymore. So that's my that's my rabbit hole lately. Um but yeah.
1: unlike drawers versus boxes or yeah. like the, the inserts, like one thing I love about those kinds of open top boxes is that unlike a drawer, when you need something or you need the set of things, like, you just pull the whole thing out
0: and take it with you. Yes. Yeah. It's important. Uh, Like, I
1: have this tray on my desk that fits into, like, a stand I have for my monitor that's got pens in it, and it's not a drawer. The entire thing pulls out, and so I can have, like, all sorts of stuff in it and put it wherever I need it to be.
0: Yeah, and that's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, I actually was thinking about this for you know me, I sit on the couch and I embroider when, you know, I need something to do with my hands or like, it may be not embroidery, but it's some other kind of project. And I'm doing stuff with my hands, putting it in the drawer of the coffee table. I forget it's there until mm-hmm. my brain is like, I want to do something. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have that project. So I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, why don't I just get like a little tray that would be used for like, you know, bringing coffee somewhere. I don't know, like a fancy little tea tray, and make that my embroidery project tray. And it can live not in a drawer, but on the shelf of my coffee table. So it's visible and I can take it wherever.
1: So have you seen the various sizes of shaker oval boxes?
0: No. because Are you going to send me down a rabbit hole?
1: I love these things. I have them in so many sizes. And they're these ranging from <gasps> very small to very large. And there will be pictures in the show notes
0: they're beautiful. Izzy's getting a big one.
1: My sewing one? Is oh my gosh. Enormous. And because the lids come off, like the lids become trays.
0: <gasps> Izzy, you have changed my life. Where and, can I find them?
1: <laughs> um, there's a lot of different people doing reproductions of them on Etsy.
0: Okay. And I'm going to write this down.
1: I love these shaker boxes. They nest for storage. They're. Like, you wouldn't think oval is the super practical shape. Like, you might expect square to be, but the ovals work really well.
0: I can see that almost, because, like, then nothing gets stuck in a corner, and then, you know, it's, like, offset from most furniture, which is square or rectangular. Mm, Mm -hmm. I think I like this.
1: And they're just super attractive (laughs) little boxes that are just...
0: I love them. They're, like, the perfect size. Like, if I didn't have... This tiny, like, square fabric mending kit, the first thing I would do with a shaker box is make a mending kit out of one. Like, the one Mm -hmm. you just held up was, like, what, six inches long and, like, three inches wide? Maybe five? That's the perfect size for a mending kit.
1: I have one just like that in my larger sewing box that has the, like, mending kit stuff in it. It's got the needles and...
0: Genius. I love that they nest. Oh, my God. You may have changed my life. I might have shaker boxes everywhere. Deep Breath Maddie, don't buy out Etsy. All right. <laughs> they they so, do yeah. get a little
1: pricey because they're all like handmade wooden things, but they're also like, they were a design from a time before power tools were common in manufacturing. And so as a result, the construction techniques used were appropriate for building an object that was going to store stuff in your pantry, which is to say- that despite being these beautiful handcrafted objects, they are reasonably simple to build and in, in ways that end up looking really elegant. So I, I just love them so much.
0: That's amazing. I love that kind of thing. I There is something to be said about the simplicity of like, I think in antiquing it's called like, um, oh no, I forgot the name of it, a primitive. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, an old piece of furniture that was clearly handmade by someone who was not an artisan. You know, it was just someone was making something to work in their house for themselves. And that style of furniture or I don't want to say knickknack, but like storage or whatever, someone clearly designed it with thought in mind for what they needed. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's amazing because if they needed it, we could also use it in the same way. like Absolutely. I don't, it's, I don't know how else to put that.
1: <laughs> it's what I love about those stick chairs that I have been slowly moving towards building. I at least have the materials now. I should start in that project, but oh well. Get to step that. Step at a
0: time. Step <laughs> One at a step time. step
1: at a time. Yeah. That you have these objects that are what everyday people would have used and would have made for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Shakers are a whole other interesting conversation in and of
0: themselves. Like, yes they are. I Shakers were in New England, right? Yeah. Okay, yes. Then I'm right about this. I used to live in New Hampshire. One of our school trips when I was in elementary school was to a Shaker village. Was it Hancock Shaker Village? It might have been. I don't remember. I'm going to look it up now. Oh goodness. I remember loving it.
1: (laughs) I mostly bring this up just to highlight that the shakers are so much more than what they made. Yeah. But what Um, they made is what I'm talking about right now.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. That might have been it, Izzy. I remember that big yellow barn. Or not barn house. Oh, gosh. This might have been it.
1: (gasps) That's my dad used to volunteer there as a blacksmith. Oh, my God. Your dad.
0: So cool. Anyway small world small world I I will double check but I remember this okay anyway so I visited one and I loved that trip because it would okay there were so many cool things I remember being fascinated with we were in like one of their meeting rooms and they had places to hang their chairs on the wall yes
1: I love that and those peg rails yes like shelves you hang from so many things it's their built-in storage is beautiful. Like some of the Shaker built-ins with the Mm -hmm. drawers and cabinets. They just... One of the things I love about the Shakers is everything about the way they lived was really considered from the architecture to the layout of the buildings to how they prepared their meals to how they gathered. And um, for some context, the Shakers were... A um, small sect of Christianity that fled from Europe led by Mother Anne to escape religious prosecution um, they were Quakers who practiced um, exuberant worship and yeah. that that turned some heads in Europe) <laughs>
0: Oh, my goodness. We're but. talking about the the continent in which, you know, Huguenots, Protestants, Catholics, all of them ended up fleeing each other to come to America at one point yep. or another. It's like, okay, guys, just get along. Anyway. <laughs> but they came to
1: the States and they set up these communal villages where everyone lived and worked together mm-hmm. as communes. Um, one of the first American communes from the settler perspective. Um, right. Right. But they they produced these beautiful buildings and beautiful work.
0: Mm -hmm. What I remember enjoying, um, I remember thinking it was really interesting that they worked together to support the community. That was something, you know, that was like, wow, mind blowing for a elementary school Maddie. Um, But I remember thinking, this is so cool that they have a way to turn every space into whatever they need it to be. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. these days, at least this is how my house works. The kitchen is built in, you know, everything is built in. um, And that's true of every house, pretty much like islands built where you think you're going to need them 90% of the time. You know, your living room is always your living room. Like your dining room is always your dining room. Office stays your office. But one thing that we did in the past is like, our Dining room might have to become a funeral parlor for Mm -hmm. our dead cousin. Our kitchen might have more people working in it than normal. So we might need to move a table out of the way, or we might need to move a table in. So there's more workspace, you know, things like that. We don't really do anymore. And I remember that being part of at least like the, the hanging the chairs on the wall was so they could have more floor space. They could hang extra chairs if they had visitors coming, things like that. And it's just like, We don't do that very much anymore. We went down another rabbit hole. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Hmm. I could talk about that
1: forever. (laughs) I I have tremendous admiration for the Shakers.
0: I feel like I need to learn more about them before I can say that. But I can understand why you do. (laughs) They seem like a very interesting people. You know, I am not religious, so I can't understand that aspect of their community. But I can understand the rest of their community. Like, outlook, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, we just... Who was I saying? I don't remember who I was saying this to recently, but it's like, we did something wrong when we stopped living in villages. Because it takes a village to raise a child. We don't live in villages anymore. (laughs) Like Like, I was saying that to someone recently, and I just feel like that's something that's missing these days. It it always stands out to me that, like, today, right? Mm Mm-hmm. If you have families, then one in four
1: people needs to cook every day. Yep. Whereas if you have communal kitchens, then maybe one in 10 people need to cook and clean, or one in 20, depending on how large of a meal you're making. Yeah. It is... Mind-blowing to me that we all go off into our individual alone silos through all of this labor repeated by ourselves instead of having these social spaces where we can do it with less people needing to do it and have like it it, it's just mind-blowing to me that we don't have more sorts of communal kitchens and
0: communal spaces for eating. Definitely. This brings up we did have a small piece of follow-up that I almost forgot about from our last episode where you and I talked about single family homes for like 5 minutes not even someone asked me is it bad that i live in a single family home that me and my family live in it and i said not on the individual level like that's that's not really a choice that you made we don't have any other way of living right now like unless you go full commune or you live in a I guess a co-op, maybe like a co-op apartment where there is a communal kitchen, something like that, like all families are living in a fam, like a single family home. You might be living in an apartment, so like yeah. the density is bigger, uh, big, lo- the density is larger. There we go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to say that. Whatever. Anyway, you know, all of our choices are one family per home. It's- yeah.
1: That's exactly like the problem is not even individuals wanting to live in single family homes. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to want. The problem comes from that being nearly the only style of housing that's being built, that Mm -hmm. people who don't want that can't have anything else in so many cases.
0: Exactly. It's like everything from like... Single family also means that we're not doing, like, multi-generational living, too. So what about people who are like, my mom needs to live with me now that my dad is gone because she needs help because she can't walk anymore? Like, that is, like, an extra level of – like, you have to get a detached home or live – like, I don't know how else to put this, but it's like, we don't build – houses for that anymore unless we have like what do we call it the mother-in-law suite like mm-hmm.
1: and that's Which just technically like, what i'm thinking i'm renting a mother-in-law suite behind someone else's house
0: oh that's funny that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even mean to bring that up but like you have to make the choice to like find that in a house in order to support that lifestyle it's like we can't even adapt what we have to do Mm multi-generational living or to live with multiple families in a communal space where they share a kitchen. or
1: You know, we don't have the option. Because the apartments we do build are designed for everybody to still go and pretend that they're living in a single family home and never interact with any of the other residents as much as possible.
0: Yeah, I guess like the closest we have to communal living for real is like dorms at college. Mm -hmm. And that's not a fun experience. (laughs)
1: It's not in so many ways and yet it's a time I look back on with so much nostalgia.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so this is a this is a good thing. I um I was talking to some friends about like because of COVID and because of like s- single person living, like living alone in an apartment. They're like, "I haven't like hugged anyone in a really long time." And it's like I think back on living in um, one of my first dorms at college, where we had the um, the lounge area, there was always someone in the lounge willing to sit there and watch a TV show with you and just chat about the class. Or there was someone there doing their homework with their headphones in, but there was someone there. And yeah. We or a don't group of get people that. people playing Magic. <laughs> I'm sure there were people playing Magic. I think at the time, Cards Against Humanity, which is not a great game, let's be honest, now looking back... Cards Against Humanity was the one that was often played in that lounge. Like, hindsight 2020, whatever. But there would be people playing games, or there'd be someone in the lounge kitchen making cookies to share with everyone. I was often the person making cookies. I miss doing that for people. Now if I make cookies, I have to make a small batch, because otherwise I will eat them all myself.
1: Okay, pro tip, make the large batch, shape Uh them all, and put most of it in the freezer.
0: Genius writing that down. I'll write it's that down later. It's great if you
1: remember to do it. Yeah. if you forget <laughs> to do it, you have too many cookies.
0: Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I eat all the cookies. Um, <laughs> there is nothing wrong with eating all the cookies. I just would rather have maybe an apple along with the cookies, you know? Anyway, <laughs> big divergence. But like having a single family home means that you have to have the people that you want to hang out with living in the home with you. Or you have to deliberately invite them over there is Mm -hmm. less accidental connection not even accidental just like peripheral connection incidental perhaps there you go that's the word that's the word i was looking for so that was a long divergence away from i don't even remember what got us down this rabbit hole but let's move on because izzy it's new bullet journal time for you 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 told me this
1: i i This is going to be a short topic because I haven't done very much towards this. I have just noticed that March ends in four days Mm -hmm. as we're recording, and my bullet journal does not have enough pages for April because I (laughs) currently go through like 100 pages in three months.
0: So, do you have a notebook picked out? Do you have to order one? What's going on?
1: (laughs) It's uh, one of the like-term 1917 ones. um, Okay. I think I'm gonna be boring and use a black one this time, but I've got a bunch of fun colors too, so we'll we'll see. It turns out you go through them and then you get another color later.
0: Yeah. What also, I have been doing. Black is not boring. Mm-mm. Okay. Dramatic. That's fair. <laughs> maybe. Uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> go ahead. Oh goodness, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So I've been going through <laughs> and looking at the collections and things that I have in my bullet journal being like, okay, which ones of these do I use? Mm-hmm. And how do I want to set them up in the new journal? Like, because now's the time I get to think about if I had columns, are those columns correct? Are they the right sizes? Do I need to adjust things? So that's been fun. I've got a whole spread in my current bullet journal, which is just the collections and their columns kind of laid out. So I can play with them, which has been fun.
0: I love that. I love migrating. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> it's it's
1: something that I was really excited for going for analog, as we've talked about before, because it makes me reconsider these things. And yep. it makes me decide which of these things are worth bringing over. Like, I've got a whole to-be-read list in this journal. I have to decide which of that TBR is the TBR of priority that gets brought over versus which do I just leave in here and reference this book if I need to later.
0: Yeah, that's a good... That's a, that's a good... Like it's a good way to like filter down thoughts that you had six months ago. Absolutely. Except in your case, it's three months ago because you go through them so fast. <laughs> well, fortunately,
1: the this one I'm using right now is 120 odd pages. But okay. The one I'm using next is like twice that many pages, so, so it should hopefully last a little bit longer. Hopefully, okay. Fingers crossed.
0: Fingers crossed. That is good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm excited for you to migrate because as previously stated, we both love this process. I love it because I get to decorate pages. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) But also because it's fun to review what three months ago or six months ago Maddie or Izzy thought because they're not the same person anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, In notebook news while we're on it, I am also changing up a little bit how I'm using my one notebook. As I'm always going to be doing,
1: of course. Like, you have it with rings so that you can't do that. Yes.
0: So we were talking about this. You keep your personal and your work notebook separate, right? Yes. And I'm assuming you do this because the traditional productivity advice is keep work and personal separate because otherwise you might end up thinking about one while you're supposed to be doing the other. Is that true? It's complicated.
1: So... Okay. Um, Ryder Carroll, the bullet journal guy keeps his work and personal journal in one journal he combines them because having multiple spots to write things down is overhead and um I keep mine separated because I'm one of those people who if I'm not at work I don't want to think about work stuff I don't want to see it in front of me like it's it's it is something I do because I have to not because I want to
0: I used to be the same type of person But I recently got some advice, and I'm going to be that person who says, from my therapist. (laughs) Um, I have always thought of Work Maddie as a different person, someone I had to be so that I could be my real self outside of work. And I don't know if you realize this, but that is really toxic thinking, I would be mad at work, Maddie, for wasting time that I could be spending doing personal stuff. Or, you know, I would—I had this weird relationship with work. And so my Mm -hmm. therapist suggested, Maddie, you have to make work a part of you or you're going to keep hating work forever and having problems. And I was like, I don't want to. But I started putting work in my personal journal. And it's doing amazing things. Like, I already hate work less. After less than a week. I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I awesome. I put in a section for work and I have my personal stuff like on a daily spread. I have my personal stuff on one side, my work stuff on another side. And so they're still slightly separated, but I can see the like, entire day. Like I don't have to think, okay, I have to open Trello when I get on my work computer and look at what I have to do today. No, it's right there. And it's like helping my brain realize like, no, no, this is still you. You don't need to hate this person who's doing this job. It's like a weird thing, but I'm really excited about it, but it made me have to migrate ahead of schedule because I had to fit all my work stuff in the journal. Mm -hmm. We're getting to the point where I'm going to need archives soon. And I still haven't bought one. So maybe my homework needs to be before the next time we talk, Maddie needs to get an archive because it's all loose leaf right now. And I'm going to lose stuff. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. it's interesting, like, I always struggle with what's worth archiving versus what's mm-hmm. not. And I'm curious whether you'll end up keeping everything or whether you'll end up filtering what goes into your archive from Loose Sheets.
0: I have already started filtering a little bit. Um, I've noticed that if it's just like a scribbled note that I later migrated somewhere else, straight in the trash or recycling, usually recycling. If I think about it, I'll shred it and I'll put it in my compost. If I don't want to think about it, it goes in the recycling. But what I've started doing is if it's still an almost pristine page, I've been tearing off the part that I've used already and I've been putting this scrap in a little pile for junk journaling. So I can have little lined pieces of paper or like little pieces of graph paper that are pristine and can be written on still, but can get pasted in anywhere. Oh, that's and great. yeah, I'm trying to use the entire paper. I'm trying not to waste stuff. But like if it's full, I'll I'll try to remember to shred it. very least, it gets recycled because I care about the environment. (laughs) But anyway, so I've started filtering out things like that. But what I haven't been doing is like filtering out my daily pages or filtering out like, oh, I'm never going to do this idea. I don't throw those away. I put them straight in. I'm not trying to preemptively filter myself because I will never know what future Maddie wants to find in my archive journal. It's so true. It's so true. And it's like the only reason I am... Throwing away pages ever is if it's a scribbled note that I know I will never need again. If it's like someone's going to call me at 3 p.m., I'm never going to need to know that in like seven mm-hmm. months. Who would need that? <laughs> no one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is what I'm doing with my archiving. But that means the loose leaf pile behind me is getting quite large because I haven't filtered anything out. And my notebook is still really full because I haven't had the chance to go through and pull out everything yet. <laughs> well, I wish you good luck. Thank you. So we're both doing some Bujo stuff. Indeed. Is that how you pronounce that? Bujo? Probably. I I mostly don't. (laughs) I mostly don't either. I usually just type it.
1: It is almost sailing season. The first club race is this Wednesday. I am super excited, but... I do need to go and prep the boat so that it is ready to start sailing, which I'm so excited for. It is getting warmer here. The water is getting warmer here, which matters a lot when you're getting soaked (laughs) in a tiny boat. Um, I am just super excited to be out on the lake again.
0: I'm so excited for you. I can't believe it's warm enough for that. It's... It was freezing today, this morning, like actually zero degrees Celsius freezing this morning. So I'm jealous that you're getting spring, but also I understand that you have a lot to do. So I'm going to let you go, Izzy, and wish you good luck on your race. I can't believe how close it is. Oh, my yeah, goodness. me
1: neither. It snuck up on me.
0: Oh, I hate that. I hate when it sneaks up on me. Like I'm whatever okay it, it is.
1: Like, I, you're okay with it? Because <laughs> I'm not going to practice for it or like okay it's a club race the, the first race is a practice race as far as I'm concerned I'm going out to have fun sailing a boat with other boats that makes sense at least this race we'll see who's there it'll be good to get in the water yeah. um thanks for listening everybody you can find us on the web at above the or above the best pod on instagram and twitter myself at stardust.fm and maddie at flexpotential.com
0: bye everyone